You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter, but at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at Sportbuff, where right now you can save 10% off your entire order by using the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10. Head on over to www sportbuffshop.com for your purchasing needs. Fantastic. They got some great new, great new CFL stuff there, too. Uh, Going to go ahead and at least get it out of the way. Also, head over to our socials, Alouette's FL Deck Facebook page. Look up for uh, Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. Guys, we are starting. Even though we have a bye week this week, we got to get ready for the, for the next home game, Cliff. We are going to be starting the next round of the giveaway for the uh, Sportbuff Flight Crew seats. So head over to socials, go ahead and uh, join into the contest. It's free. Again, I'll say it. It's free. Free is good. That's right. And you can win a pair of tickets to see the Alouettes play. The Edmonton Eskimos and also celebrate, sorry, the Edmonton Elks. Wow, take a shot. Uh, Edmonton Elks. And also there uh, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the 2002 Grey Cup Champions. I think the Grey Cup will be in town and a whole bunch of players and stuff like that. So, uh, hey, your chance to win t- free tickets. Okay. Who doesn't like free? <laughs> yeah. So. And also, also too, before you before yeah. we go, uh, we do have some other socials to talk about. Uh, let's not forget the Alouette's Flight Deck is on Instagram, at Alouette's Flight Deck. And don't forget, folks, we are on YouTube. Please do a search for Alouette's Flight Deck on YouTube. You'll find all a lot of our shows there. And once again, folks, please smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, tell your family members, let everybody know to go and subscribe because we still have that jacket we want to give away to you all. So once we get to that century mark, 100 plus people will be giving away a beautiful satin retro jacket. So head over to YouTube, look for Alouette's Flight Deck, and please, please subscribe. Don't just like it, but subscribe because we want to give that jacket away. That's true. We're almost there. You guys can get us there. Okay, yes, we have the game to talk about where the Alouettes get shellacked, and it's funny, it's almost the exact same score that it was from our last home game. But, as it seems usually when it comes to a bye week and a team that isn't necessarily doing all that well, things be a change in, in town. You kind of called it, and it's what we're going to be talking about first for the first segment, because it, it deserves our full attention, because we have a new head coach, and we have a, a, new, a, a new DC. A new defensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, sometimes I hate being right, but I mean, it was clear as day what was going to happen. Uh, Kahari Jones was very much on the hot seat even before the season got started. And as the Alouettes dropped close games and unfortunately this uh, this past Saturday's blowout against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, that pretty much sealed his fate, unfortunately. And he's been relieved of his coaching duties effective immediately. The one that kind of surprised me, though, and maybe it shouldn't have, but uh, Baron Miles was also shown the door. Our defensive coordinator, who we had on the show earlier this year, and 
again, it, it's kind of surprising in the sense that the defense was not the problem. The defense is not the reason is not the reason why the Alouettes are one in three right now, and solely in second place of the CFL Eastern Division, I might say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you finally got it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, the CFL East. The East is terrible this year, folks. Up, down, top to bottom. I don't care which team it is. At the moment, all four teams. At the moment. At, 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 at the, the moment, moment, yes. But right now, all four teams don't deserve to be even considered in playoff contention. Yet, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, the Alouettes would be hosting a playoff game. <laughs> oh, boy. And they'd be hosting the Calgary Stampeders, if you can believe that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, stupid crossover. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's, it's so funny, too, because I said, don't be surprised this year, folks, if maybe, just maybe, one of the Eastern teams crosses over. What a joke. Oh, boy. I mean, I didn't say it was going to happen. I just said, don't be surprised. But right now, I would be so surprised mm-hmm. to see it happen. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I know it's still young, folks. I know it's still, you know, we're really only four games into the season. But, oh, man. It's it's not – if you're a fan of uh, Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto, or Montreal, things are not looking great. They're really not. No. Um and I, and I will admit, when it came to this, I guess I was in a little bit of in denial. You know, my thought was is that, you know, going into the season, I thought the Owls had a very good chance to right out the bat, you know, right out of the bat to do really, really well. But game one, we lose three major players. And since then, you know, we've been in games, you know, we've been in all of our games except for just one. It's just... Again, I I I already said I don't think I said it on air, but I said that if there was going to be a change, I did not want it to be Machocha as head coach. I thought it was going to be Baron Miles. Well, <laughs> <laughs> both those stones got thrown out as soon as uh, as soon as Baron Miles was fired. Also, yeah. and let's not forget. I mean, the pieces were in place for Machocha to come in as head coach. I mean, as clear as day when you look at the hires that were done in the off season. Byron Archambault as special teams coordinator, even though, yes, technically Jeff Reinbold was hired, but then for reasons, he, he left, and now Byron Archambault is special teams coordinator, a former Montreal Carabank, a former Montreal Carabank coach, special teams coordinator there. Anthony Calvillo brought in his quarterback coach, also a former Carabank coach. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Uh, equipment manager, former equipment manager of the uh, of the Caribbean, who's also now a defensive quality control assistant, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, with the hiring now of uh, Noel Thorpe as defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach, replacing Miles, another wait for it, former Caribbean's c- coach. Yeah, uh, I mean, this was really truly Danny getting the band back together mm-hmm. because, as you know, Danny Machocha was the essentially head coach and general manager, if you will, of the Montreal Caribbean. Like he was the one who did the recruiting. He was the one who had basically assembled that team. And yes, definitely created a powerhouse within the U sports. And, and again, a team that was always going to be competitive year in and year out. I mean, like I'll, I'll give Danny his props. He definitely created an incredible winning atmosphere for the Montreal Caribbean. And I guess the thought was, well, I can recreate that with the Montreal Alouettes. I'll bring in, a lot of former Caribbean players, you know, I will draft them or I will sign them. And now when it comes to coaches, I will draft them and I will sign them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what it was. He's just basically trying to reassemble the Montreal Caribbean, like take all the best parts of the, the Caribbean, the successful parts and 
bring them to the Alouettes. And who better to lead the Carib the Carib the Cariboulettes, I guess we'll call them, <laughs> than Danny Mac himself. I mean, that's the, the really what it comes down to, folks. The Alabans. <laughs> the Alabans? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I, I think, and it, we're, it's funny, I was looking at, I totally forgot about Noel Thorpe. I really had. And I mentioned this to you off air, that I think that this change was probably put off a week or made it... It made it a, a, so that it was going to occur this week. It wasn't going to occur last week because, you know, Noel Thorpe was originally in the USFL and he was coaching in the USF, a coach for the Birmingham Stallions in the USFL Spring League in their championship game. Mm-hmm. So this yeah, could I, this could have gone last week, but after a win, I don't know. But we well we we've seen coaches fired in this for the Owls after a win. So I don't you know, know. I, I I I said though that. At the, the way that everybody was talking with all the noise and it was difficult to ignore. There was a lot of talking heads that had speculated and even probably even had inside knowledge saying that, listen, unless Kahari goes 18 or no, the first chance they get, they're going to get rid of him. And sure enough, they waited at least to the bye week. But well, they had yeah, one of one of three to do it. I guess they wanted to go with the first one. Yeah. No, I mean, and again, you, you, this always team should couple bounces here and there and this this is a three and one football team yes and they still may have gotten rid of them like that's just it's true I, it's true i mean like i said it, it would have had to been 18 and 0 and like blowouts every game yeah maybe then kari could have kept his job but no instead he he takes the brunt of the the blame for it uh the fact that the yellowettes uh were so undisciplined against Saskatchewan and they've been the discipline issues for quite some time now, even dating back to last year. Uh, a lot of it was on special teams. So that's why Mickey Donovan was showing the door mm-hmm. and he basically, he got the blame for that. But uh, a lot of Kahari's hires too, were also shown the door. Uh, most notably uh, coach uh, Robert Gordon, his basically Kahari's right hand man was let go this yeah. year, yeah. earlier this year. So, yeah. I mean, the writing was on the wall, quite frankly. I mean, like, and I think Kahari knew this too. Unfortunately, you you you'd never know it just uh, how he carried himself because he's always been a man that has been gracious and he 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 will never be negative. He's just uh, a good, hardworking, honest person who tries to see the positive in everything. And you could tell that he cares so much about his players, and that's what helped make him an excellent coach. But at the same time. Could they have needed a disciplinarian and maybe Kahari wasn't doing that? Is that one of the reasons why? It's hard to say, but I really do think that once it was really just going to be a matter of time before Danny Mack inserted himself as head coach, he just needed a good excuse. And I guess the Alouettes being one and three, even though it was very close to being three and one, yeah. as well as the lack of discipline. And two, two yeah. of the four games has been horrible. And then what happened last week? With the first first Alouettes player being uh, uh, ejected with the new CFL ejection rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was just uh, – that's the thing. Like the, the third quarter against Saskatchewan, like that's pretty much where things really, truly fell apart. I mean, the Alouettes were actually leading going into halftime. Yeah. And, again, very still very uninspired offense for the most part. You know, but uh, I, it really just came down to like things just really fell apart. Like the, the offense was – I couldn't even say it was sputtering. It had sputtered in present, past tense. But the the discipline of, of the defense was just unraveling. And I wonder if that was 
that could have been uh, Baron's, you know, s- the signing of his death warrant. But could I mean, yeah, Michael Wayfield being ejected, the whole thing with Trey Watson, which we'll talk about in a little in a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now, Dar- Darius Williams getting fined as well. Yeah. I mean, like free Darius because uh, we like him and uh, <laughs> he deserves better than that. But yeah. Okay. Now, it's funny with head coaching changes. Uh, you know, I expected to be more upset than I am. I'm upset because I really think that this was done at the wrong time. I really do. I actually, I agree with you. And it, it, it's easy to say now hindsight being 2020, but. If you were going to get rid of Kahari, then you should have gotten rid of him before training camp. Yeah, don't disrupt the season. Yeah, which it has like, been, and as it well, still would have been, it still would have been throwing the baby out with the bathwater because that's what I had said was that you know like Kahari, I, I didn't want to believe Kahari was the problem. I don't entirely believe Kahari was the problem. I, I just think that the pieces were put in place. He was set up to fail, simply put, and. As I said, there there was just no plausible scenario other than going eighteen and zero where he would have been able to keep his job beyond this year. And let's not yeah. forget too, this is the last year of his contract extension True. that he signed back in twenty nineteen. So, but, but they're still on they the hook. That's that's the thing. I, another thing I was going to bring up is, and we'll talk about that. They're they're still on the hook for the salaries. Sure. So that's. But but continue. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that was so much a concern as it was when, say, for example. They were on the hook for Dan Hawkins' salary and Tom Higgins' salary back when those guys were turfed uh, unexpectedly. Well, well, quicker than usual, but uh, <laughs> that's the thing. It, it, like Signing a long-term extension to a, a head coach in any sport is always a bit of a tricky thing. But, I mean, if anyone deserved a three-year extension when he signed it, it was Kahari Jones Damn for what straight. he did in 2019. Damn straight. He definitely he proved his worth, and honestly, even last year, yeah, things were not perfect. But I mean, like he was still winning games. He was. I still believe the players believed him for the most part. But let's not forget that was also Machocha coming in as it was his first year as effectively as general manager, like with actual football being played. And you can just start to see like little little signs that maybe you know confidence isn't there, and. As I said, Kahari was able to power through it. He was able to, you know, still turn in a decent performance. Still got to the Alouettes to the playoffs, but nothing. Would a great cup have changed that? Maybe, but uh, as I said, as things changed, as the offseason from 2021 to 2022 progressed, it, it was becoming a lot more clear that maybe Kahari's message wasn't ringing through, at least with the higher ups in the administration. Maybe. Specific, specifically with the general manager, who I, I never got entirely got the feeling that maybe he was content just to be, a, you know, an office guy, like to sit in the office and make football decisions. Like, I think he kind of missed coaching. And let's not forget, his Twitter handle is DMACCoach. I mean, not DMACGM. So <laughs> you, I, I think that, 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 that drive, that itch to be on the sidelines, I yeah. think that may have that may have been it. And. I think it really just truly came down to okay. The minute Kahari starts to falter, that's gonna be that's gonna be my time. And just with all the moves that have been made, personnel wise, and all that, like just bringing in his guys, so to speak. Here we are. This is this is this is the sum of all the parts. Right. I mean, to me, there are so many variables. One, I hate, and it's and it seems to be the consensus from what we've seen you know, from many CFLs that we spoke, uh, CFL fans that we've spoken with, is that. The, a lot of people do not like the GM head coach combination. 
Well, it only works. It, well, there's only one place where another place where a coach and GM are the one and the same, and that would be Chris Jones in Edmonton. And how's he doing right now? Yeah, I believe he's one in three, like the Alouettes. Yeah, and it's it just seems that at least in Alouettes history, Cliff, that they don't do very well. And you know, we've had eight general managers do this in team history, become GM head coach. Mm-hmm. And they don't do, they don't, they, if we have two, two of these guys, our first coach, head coach GM, Lou Heyman, back in 46, and Marv Levy. Those are the only two to have a winning record as being a head coach and a GM. Yeah. In our generation, which is essentially from 1996 to today, whenever the general manager takes over as head coach, it typically doesn't go very well. Cavis went 0 for 7. <laughs> it's 0 and 7 in 2017. Yeah, I mean, Jim Pop did reach a great cup in 2006, did not win it. But at that point, though, I think the team was still kind of running off the fumes of Don Matthews, who stepped away from a quote-unquote health scare. But I'm yeah. just wondering, too, if, you know, again, it's all speculation at this point, And it's not like, you know, again, yeah. we, we, said, we debate this. But at the end of the day, History has proven that when the general manager of the Montreal OS decides he wants to be the head coach too, it doesn't always go well. Now, if Danny McChochin could change that, sure. great, more power to him. Sure. But, I mean, history just doesn't paint the prettiest of pictures. And that's that's what I'm concerned about more than anything else. And, even, and uh, this is, you know, obviously with Gary Stern, he's an owner, new owner, wants to get to the Grey Cup, wants to, you know, put uh, the Alouettes back on the CFL map. Doesn't look good either because, you know, only three GM head coaches have been to the Grey Cup. Heyman again, Levy again, and Pop, as he, as he mentioned earlier. And only two of those three have won the Grey Cup. Yeah. So, I mean, those odds make things a little bit better. But, I mean, it, it's a lot of pressure. And it's a lot to ask of any one individual. And I, I, I've said it. Like, I really have come around – as far as Danny Machocha's general manager, I think this year he's proven his worth. He like he's made some very solid moves. He has. I will give him one hundred percent props on 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 that. I will. Yeah, he drafted well. His free agency signings very decent. I, I, we're, we're seeing a lot of it right there. Like the moves that he made in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, so far have worked out pretty well. Uh, that, I want to make it clear: free agency signings. Yeah, not trades. Trades, the jury's still out on that one. But again, that's neither here nor there. So as far as general manager goes, yes, I can definitely say that Danny Machocha has done a very solid job. But now he's going to add on the stress of head coach. I mean, I I sincerely hope for his sake he has truly thought this through. I don't necessarily want him to fail. I I really don't. But I know it's like, as, as we've discussed just now, history has not been very kind to those who have tried to double dip. And... I just don't know. Like, does he have the magic? For- does he have that magic formula that uh, Lou Heyman and uh, and Marv Levy had? For his sake, I hope so. Because again, I, I look back at the Cavus Reed uh, coach head coaching era for the Alouettes, not great. No, Jim Pop had some success, but had a lot of non-success as well as head coach. Phenomenal general manager, but when it came to the head coaching, you know, sometimes you're better just doing one or the other, but not both. I agree. And, you know, this is a team that, you know, we've had so much instability and so many losses over the past, I'll say seven years. You know, such did so well in 19, 
We, we seem to be turning the corner. Obviously, COVID came. We weren't able to replicate it in 2021. But dude, we got to stop. If you want some sort of stability, you've got to stop with these ins. And this goes back to what we were saying before. You've got to stop these in-season changes. I mean, we've had five in-season changes of head coaches, Cliff, since 2013. What does that say? How can you gain stability? You know, the GMs stay the same. Head coaches don't. Yeah. I mean, sure, you can sign as many free agents as you can. But if your head coaches aren't, if you don't have stability when it comes to your head coach. That's the thing. You got to choose wisely. It's just. (laughs) And I just I just have a hard time believing that. Denny Mac is thinking of this as a short-term fix. Like he'll, he'll, he'll run the shit. He'll run. Th- he'll do both until the end of the season. Then he'll get a chance to bring in his own head coach. Which is exactly what the browser say. That's what the press release says. Uh, Danny Matricia is, according to the press release, will be the head coach until the end of the season. You know, as Alice fans, we've heard this before, a la Jim Pop, and mm-hmm. he still stayed head coach. But I- I'm going to ask the question, Cliff. In your opinion. Does does Danny Mac stay GM head coach despite the results in 2023, or does he actually elevate somebody? Whether it be a Noel Thorpe, which as you and I remember from years ago, a lot of people, I think you and I talked about it too, that we felt that he was a at the time he was a worthy candidate to be a head coach mm-hmm. of the Alouettes, and never yep. was because somebody else was always elevated above him. Yep, which I think led to his him leaving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think he he will make that change at the head that Do you think this is just a a short term thing for Danny Mac? All depends. It depends how the Alouettes do this year. I mean, if they go on a run, even in a, a weak Eastern Division, get in the playoffs and just catch fire and win the whole damn thing. I mean, sure, yeah, we can go. We can win fourteen in a row. Sure. I, I mean, but that's it. If that happens, yeah. Then obviously people are going to be like, no, 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 no. This was see, th- this is why this should this move this is the move that should have been made a long time ago. Like that would be the narrative. And if the Alouettes don't win another game in 2022, then at that point, can you honestly say, okay, well, listen, we gave we gave you a chance. You didn't turn things around. You didn't make things better. If anything, you made them worse. Especially if you do never win another game, then yeah, at that point, okay, fine. You're the general manager. Bring in your guy, whoever you, you think will be the best fit as head coach. Right. So it's 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 kind of a self fulfilling prophecy when you think about it. I mean, at what point do Alouette's fans want? We want success. We want this team to be a winning organization, but at what cost? And if if you want that stability, you want that uh, reassurance of who the head coach is going to be year after year after year. Then yeah. This is what we got to figure out. And again, we won't know this until we start seeing Machocha on the sidelines and actually coaching. Will the players respond to him? Will they step up for him like they did for Kahari? Because let's not forget, Kahari was thrown into the head coaching role six days before the regular season in 2019. And the players rallied behind him. They got behind him. They believed in him. And look what happened. Are they going to do that for Danny Machocha? I mean, he's the boss. I mean, he's the general manager and he signed most of these guys. So they... I'd be surprised if they didn't, you know, try to do everything they can for him. But at the same time, like, is he going to be the one that's going to deliver the message? Is he the one that's going to, is he the, the, is he the, the answer, I guess is what we're looking for here. Because it wasn't Kahari apparently. So that's why he's been shown the door. So now if Danny is not the, the answer and and he, again, if, 
if, if Gary Stern wants to have that promise of the Alouettes being the Grey Cup champions, Danny Mac's going to have to perform. Like, automatically now the pressure is on big time. And can he do it? That uh, Only time's going to tell. But well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big ask. Let's put it that way. It's a very big ask to do both. It's not, it's not out of a need because, quite frankly, Kahari Jones was a very good head coach. He may have lost – some of the players, uh, he obviously lost uh, the faith of the organization. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's very weird. And like I said, I, I just don't know how to quite process it all. I don't know how to answer it. And uh, I, I guess I'm just like, well, okay, this was the move you wanted to make. You've made it. Now you better follow through. Yeah. There- and, you be- and you better deliver. That's really what it comes down to is you better deliver because – no one is going to accept losing football. I don't care who the hell you are. Losing football is not going to sell tickets. No. Uh, we, yeah, I was talking with some people who were talking about, you know, we don't know what the locker room current situation is. You, you know, all, we all, we're always told that it's never exactly what people hear in the, in the media. It's never as bad and it's never as good as what you hear. Right. But when the, 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 the quotes that we, heard today about potentially how this locker room has changed since 2019 you know i heard heard these quotes and i was just stunned but it, it maybe everything wasn't unicorns and rainbows i mean we were already going through you know changes in you know we the, the changes in running back the the, the the cluster that is the starting quarterback situation you know it's I think there's more than one ship that Danny needs to write in the locker room. But has he, I mean, I think he's all, I think in my opinion, I think he's already started to make his changes to put his mark of the players that he wants. Obviously it's going to happen now because he's the head coach and he wants to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now it's not saying that we don't want it. We want Danny to succeed, but we did again, we're just going back to stability again. And it's just so frustrating because yeah. obviously Revisionist history or what if, you know, Marvel made their series about what if we could easily do an Alowitz what if, you know, what oh, if we didn't lose Greg Reed? What if we didn't lose William Stabek in game one? What if? But, I, I, you know, we, as I mentioned, what ifs don't keep your job. It's what basically what have you done for me now? It really is. You you are what your record says you are. And what have you done for me lately? Those are the mantras when it comes to professional sports, including football. I mean, you are only as good as your last game. And quite frankly, the Alouettes last game was not good at all. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that that's really, truly what essentially sealed Kahari's fate more than anything else was just, you know, just a, an overall poor effort. And yeah. he's got he's got to wear some of that, unfortunately. Uh Baron Miles has to wear it. Uh, I'd say all the coaches have to wear it, really, truly, when it comes to player discipline. Uh, players, obviously, are responsible for their behavior. You know, there's no question about that. I mean, it tr- you win as a team and you lose as a team. Yes. And this losing really was a team effort. You can't just point at one particular player and say, or one coach, and say, you're the reason why we got our asses handed to us by Saskatchewan. You can't. No. It really, truly was a losing effort on all sides. And unfortunately, like that really is what's going to come. Unfortunately, I think that's what's going to be kind of the the the, the main the, the one thing that people are going to remember more than anything else when it comes to Kahari's Alouette's legacy for 2022. Not his overall legacy, because I think 2019 
showed what he can do oh, yeah. as a head coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we knew what he could do as a coordinator. And a lot of people felt it was just a matter of time before he became a head coach. Sure enough, even though he was thrown into the fire, he rose up to the challenge and did a fantastic job and deserved, as far as I was concerned, any every benefit of the doubt. But then we start tinkering with things when things start happening behind the scenes. And I think that's really what it came down to was Kahari's not Danny's guy. Yeah, never really was Danny's guy. We we kind of know this now. We know and we know we understand. Yes, he was brought in after and Kahari stayed on. But yeah, which again, again, again is a is a tough situation too. Like to have a head coach and then have the general manager there. Like you kind of gotta play nice, like with your your new toys. But uh, yeah. that's that's just the that was just the situation right now. Because let's face it, in twenty nineteen, the Alouettes had no general manager. They had no owner. They they had all they had was Kahari as the, the sort of the face of the franchise. So like, how do you get rid of this guy, especially after the amazing season he had? But also, too, like when you hire a general manager and a president and new ownership comes in, like they want to put their people in place. That's normal. Problem is, you you were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, okay, well, we want to bring in our own people. But at the same time, how do you get rid of this guy who, you know, just turned this this thing around, essentially? Yeah. Who made the Alouettes uh, part of the conversation again after years of ineptitude and just overall general malaise? This is the guy that basically started the fire that got the Alouettes hot again. You can't you can't just throw him out. So you no. gotta you gotta work with him. And they tried it. And like I said, with 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 so many things that were changing with the personnel and bringing in certain players and basically forcing Kahari to work with certain types that just you know like he didn't have the say that he used to. Like let's not forget, Kahari Jones was sort of the de facto general manager of the team as well. It, along with Joe Mack in 2019. Yeah. So he had a lot of say in personnel as far as who to bring in and who to keep and so on and so forth. Now you got a boss that's pretty much telling you, uh, no, you know what? I want to sign this guy. I'm going to sign this guy. And here's your new starting quarterback because Vernon Adams got hurt and make it work. Even if it's not the same kind of quarterback, make it work. And couldn't make it work. I mean, some of that's got to fall on Trevor Harris and some of that's got to fall on Kahari Jones because – he too, a former quarterback, so he knows what it takes to win in this league. He should be able to have imparted some of that wisdom onto Trevor, wouldn't you say? I'm sure that's what a lot of people were thinking, and yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would think, you know, that's not such a weird demand. But what's, I mean, again, what's your first? First of all, what's your thought on the on the potential issues with the coach's salary cap? Because they, obviously they're on the line for for Kahari with the Kahari salary. They're on the line for the rest of Baron Miles' salary. They bring in a new coach. Yes. I, you know, I, me to me, it's being the Owls being on the hook for the rest of these salaries. Mm-hmm. When I guess as I said before, they could have just done something at the beginning of the year and not had to worry about it. No, they probably no contract still probably would have paid it. Well, that's it. As I said, the the, the one saving grace, if you will, like, a, and why a move would have had to have been made is the fact that this was Kahari's last year, and I'm pretty sure it was Barron's last year as well. So, I mean, a move would have had to be made one way or another at the end of the season. So, I guess now they have to eat that salary. And I guess with uh, Danny Mack pulling double duty, you save money there. Yeah. And I have no yeah. idea how much you're going to pay. I don't have, have no idea how much you're going to pay Noel Thorpe. Yeah, but, uh, that's true. Okay. So, I mean, um, I guess in that, in that sense, it's probably, is, I don't want to say necessarily a cost-cutting move, but this sort of offsets any sort of potential problems that you have when it comes to the coach's salary cap. But yeah, I mean that's that's just what it boils down to is you know Kahari was probably going to go anyways, 
but you know why not do it before the season i mean if it really was a cost cut it couldn't be it couldn't have been a cost cutting measure if you're still willing to make this move but i think realistically this was the move that would have had to been made you would have had to go internal no matter what if you were going to replace kahari you would have had to go internal no matter what and ultimately it came down to you know let the gm do it (laughs) yeah um Obviously, there's been a huge swell on uh, in the media, social media. Obviously, I'm sure you know this is something that Danny Mac, I'm sure, doesn't re- really care about because he did what he felt, was, or he was able. To, you know, whoever made whoever just made the decision, whether it was a, a combination of of Danny Mac and Gary Stern, obviously, because Gary Stern is the one paying the paying the bills. Um, what's because we've seen the reaction online on others within and with outside of Quebec of this change to not only English Canada, but also French Quebec has shown their displeasure for what has occurred. Mm-hmm. How obviously, yes, he's our head coach. We can dislike a player and still support him. We can dislike a coach and still support. Him. And I'm not saying we dislike Danny Mack, but I'm mm-hmm. saying in general, we still want this team to survive and to do well. How do what do you think the reception's going to be for Danny Mac overall when it comes to the state of football in Montreal? Obviously, there is a, a huge plus, obviously, with his football background, not only in the pros, but obviously how well he did over at UDM. Obviously, it did it, 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 it's not only that he was did he did it, he's done it very well, and he's also a Quebecer. Overall, in your opinion, Cliff, how do you think fans Football fans in Montreal are going to take to being with Danny Mac being now our head coach. I think a lot of fans are going to be very happy because they do revere Danny as as like again I've called him the Nick Saban of the of U Sports. He was, you know, it, it and there's a lot of comparisons to that because Nick Saban, a very successful college football college football head coach, not so successful in the NFL. Danny Mac. Not so successful in the CFL at first, very successful in U Sports. And now he's getting basically his second chance to be the man again when it comes to head coach in the Canadian Football League. Only time's going to tell how that's going to work out. Uh, I think a lot of, but I think a lot of Quebec fans are both very happy and very disappointed because, again, a lot of fans here in Montreal really did love Kahari as head coach. Mm -hmm. Again, it cannot be overstated just what Kahari did in 2019. To revitalize this franchise, I mean, it was dying on the vine, really. When you think about it, like all the, all the nonsense that was going on, basically from 2013 to 2019, with the exception of 2014, the last, the second half of 2014 being yeah. pretty, de- pretty decent, pretty exciting. So let's let's even go 2015 to 2019. Things were just it was a downward spiral, and when it hit rock bottom, it was bad. And just when you think things couldn't get any lower, they still somehow found a way to hit another level down. It was incredible. Like just how bad things were from 20, basically from 2015 to 2019, how bad things were. Yeah. And for Kahari to take over the way he did and do exactly what he did, he basically revitalized the Alouettes. He turned Vernon Adams into the superstar we expected him to be. This, this team was just so much fun to watch game in, game out, win or lose. You knew when you tuned in to watch the Montreal Alouettes play in 2019, they were must-see TV. They were the team you had to sit down and watch play, regardless of who the opponent was. And you were starting to see that again in 2021. 
but towards the end, that's when things kind of fell apart. You know, that's when Again, the, you know, injuries. Things, injuries killed this team. Killed this team. It, it completely changed the dynamic. And as best as he could, he wor- tried to work with the pieces he was given, and it didn't work. You know that 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 luster was gone. That 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 fire, that excitement that was there just wasn't quite. I mean, and now here we are in 2022, and we're kind of you know now now we're kind of back to a change yet again. Once again, that that instability has yeah. reared its ugly head. So it's it, it's it's tough. It's tough to imagine. Obviously, I think fans when they look back, they're going to appreciate what Kahari Jones did for this organization uh i mean he's I, I still say he's a fantastic coach and it's just a matter of time before someone else snaps him up i i'm sure i'm sure next year yeah he's going to have his choice of suitors like someone is going to want to bring him in if not as a head coach then at least as offensive coordinator and they're going to get a phenomenal coach there is no question about that same thing with baron miles going to get a phenomenal coach a phenomenal defensive coordinator and he too may even be considered for a head coach be just for the way that for both of these men how the players reacted and believed in what what these men had to say i i think the message was still getting across to the players i just think that there is a lot of extenuating circumstances that just led to both of these guys being shown the door and that's just that's just the way it is in football unfortunately and like, now and now it's funny and now instead of Danny Mack and Gary Stern looking over the shoulder of Kahari. It's eliminated the middleman, kind of. It's now mm-hmm. Gary Stern, I'm sure, watching with a very keen eye on how well Danny Mack does as head coach. As head coach. Yep, because the one thing that Gary Stern has established is he does not like being made a fool of. He doesn't like looking weak. He he believes very much in this football team. He does. And he doesn't want to have that faith shattered. And if this team doesn't win and win often and stay competitive by and large, even in a, a, a weakened Eastern division, that's a lot to answer for. Yeah. So and at, at what at what point? Like, I'm pretty sure that Danny Matocha is going to have a very long leash to work with. But leashes do reach their end at some point. I'm just curious at how much of a leash is Danny Matocha really going to be given, despite the fact that he is a Quebec-born coach and uh, and general manager despite the fact that he is fluently bilingual and will do everything he can to help promote the game within Quebec itself just like any of the Alouettes would be willing to do but I'm, I I know for a fact Gary Stern wants a winner he, he didn't buy this team to watch them lose year after year after year right he wants success and he wants it now so as far as I'm concerned this Alouettes team is still a very good team on the on paper and on the field they just got to get their act together yep. and stop beating themselves. Yep. And hopefully, hopefully with Danny Mack on the sidelines running things, they can do that. And if they can do it, great, more power to them. Like that's then maybe that was the, the missing ingredient, the key to help get the Alouettes back to where they're supposed to be. If you do that, great. If not, then he's got a lot of answer for it because like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You better find if you're not the winning coach. You're, if you're not the, the the missing ingredient, you better hope to hell you know who you want to bring in as head coach who can be that guy who yeah. can be the one that lights the fire again for the Alouettes. Yeah, because just based as a we not I don't think I'm getting I'm beating a, a dead horse with this by saying it again. Fans are gonna be watching you now, Danny. Because we, if you know anything about the history of the Alouettes, or even if you've just been following the team since 96, you know, you know 
how poor the idea is of a and how poor record wise head coach GMs are for this team and how very little success they've had. So we're it's not just Gary watching Danny Mac now. It's everybody who knows football in Montreal. We want you to win, Danny. We want you to win. You know, make, make us make us proud of the of the change you made. Prove the change was the right thing to do. We'll find out in 14, 15. Oh, hey, let's hope it's 16 weeks. We'll find out, right, Cliff? Hey, listen, if if we're going to be playing football in November, late November, out in Regina, then it was all worth it. But you got to get there first. Yeah. And the only way you're going to get there is you got to win football games. And there's no excuses, quite frankly. I mean, like, you wanted to put your people in place. You were given the opportunity to do so. You want to make yourself the kingmaker? Okay, you are now. So you better make it happen. And you, you, I, I hope you have chosen wisely. When it comes to the, the people you want on the field, when it comes to the players at your disposal, I, I, I hope you've chosen wisely. I hope you have that missing ingredient that the Alouettes didn't have these first four games this season. Yeah, um, yeah I think we'll leave, we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. We'll preview the first game of the Danny Machocha head coach era <laughs> mm-hmm. next next week as we as we are in a bye week this week um, and it's and so interesting that he's taking on his former franchise if you will in the edmonton elks yes I not know. to mention his favorite trading partner because let's face it the alouettes and elks have made several transactions a lot of players have gone back and forth with uh both Ed, edmonton and montreal over the past uh year and a half now yeah. at least yeah um so uh, you know again we'll, we'll preview that game uh next for next week's show or a reminder any of the previous episodes of the flight deck can be found over at alouettesflightdeck.ca including our chats with former head coach kari jones and our chat with for- former defensive coordinator baron miles plus many many more uh we have to talk about the game because obviously this is what led up to what occurred today. And it's funny to say we thank the football gods for dropping this this, this today. <laughs> That's true. I, we've been very fortunate this year. Like when major news drops, it's before we hit the record button. Yeah. Let's not forget the uh, the 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 CFL ratifying or temp, at that time temporarily ratifying. That's true. Yeah. Or coming to an agreement, I should say, for the uh, for their work stoppage with the the players' association. Yeah, that happened just actually as as we were recording, so we were able to, uh, you know, pivot, shall we say, so to speak. I agree. I agree. So uh, I think we've been very fortunate. Like we were given the, at least given this news now, as opposed to, you know, recording say yesterday, and you know, all it, you know, everything we talk about just being. You know, yeah, we we feel for the other media that that tapes once a week has their shows once a week and it, it did happen a few times but uh Al's gets shellacked 41 20 in the return game of the of the uh, home and home or the back-to-back versus Saskatchewan Rough Riders getting outscored what did it was the getting outscored in the third quarter 21 nothing mm-hmm. uh which included the Alouettes holding the ball in that quarter cliff for a grand total of four minutes and eight seconds and I think I think it was eight offensive plays, not not including, I don't think not including punts, but eight. Eight offensive plays. This is after the Alouettes were leading at halftime by two, and we're playing quite well. Um, 
Well, that's generous. I mean, okay, let's, they let's were be playing honest. well enough to be leading. How about that? <laughs> Fine, we can do that. But <laughs> once again, though, that first quarter was very reminiscent of the a home opener in in many ways. Yeah. Most notably, Chandler Worthy with a another house call. Yep, absolutely outstanding. Yep, it's uh, only the second second returner to do it in consecutive and back to back games in CFL history. First ever player, obviously, to do it in Montreal Alouette's history. And the last player to do it was uh, in 1956, I think. I think it was 1956 when it occurred. And it was a former Edmonton uh, Eskimos player that did it. Um, but, yeah, it, it started off It started off well. It, re- it really did. It was uh, – but – Well, and again, it, once again, it was special teams scoring points. Really, when you think about it, that's, two David Cote field goals and Chandler Worthy's house call, and that's that's the issue that we're leading to. Yeah. By the way, it's hard to believe that you know we we were we were beaten by so much. And did you know the time of possession the Alouettes actually led in time of possession by five seconds? I can believe that. That's crazy. Unfortunately, the other problem too is besides not scoring in the red zone, which seems to be an issue with our quarterbacks as of late. Is once again is an uh, Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to penalties. Uh, they did have less than Saskatchewan, but they still had 11 penalties for 105 yards, which also included the first ever ejection for an Alouette by the new uh, two. Um, what are the penalties? Stri- well, basically two strikes and you're out. Like two objectionable, objectionable conduct or yeah penalties. It, one was dumb. They were both dumb. Ejected was dumb. Both bo- both of his penalties were dumb. Yes. Both of Wakefield's penalties were dumb. And you know what? The referee is always going to get the second guy. You should know this by now. That is practically football one hundred and one. If you're going to start something, start it. Don't so, continue it because wait, wait, wasn't it also the, rest- the actual crew that was there too? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if Herb Zarkowski can mention it on social media before the game. He- Everybody knows once we hear that that name is like oh crap. Uh, this guy could ruin a wet dream, quite frankly. <laughs> yes. You know what's funny? I, I see people talk shit about Andre Peru, and I'm sitting there like, you know, Al Bradbury is the referee you think Andre Peru is. I'm sorry to say, but you know, like th- this slander. Why? Because Andre Peru is French, and you know he speaks with an accent and all this nonsense. So what? He's I love the way he says three. I love the way he says three. You like turn I, I, down? And I'm not being sarcastic, by the way. I love the way he says no. three. And you know what? Listen, at the end of the day, he's a fantastic referee. Al Bradbury is not a fantastic referee. Yeah, he, it's funny. Al Bradbury is worse than a lot of a lot of the Major League Baseball umpires this year because there's been a huge uproar at how bad calls are being made by umps in, in Major League Baseball. So that's where I put him. Well, there you go. <laughs> But it, it's funny. It is universal, whether it's media, whether it's fans, uh, you name it. Like, just there seems to be this absolute displeasure when you know Al Bradbury's refing a football game. Yeah. It's just like, oh crap, here we go. Yeah, that's that. It's just just that feeling. You just know things are going to go down, and it's not going to be pretty. No, and the laundry is going to fly. No, and and sure enough, it did. Oh yeah, for for sure, for sure. I say it, it was just over after the third. Uh, I was at one point about to turn off the game. Check my socials. I'm not lying. I think that was when uh, Trevor Harris threw that pick six to Nick Marshall. I think that was that. I think that at that point you were ready to 
completely abandoned ship. Yeah, yeah. And that, and for me, to, you know, as a longtime season ticket holder, for me to do that, you, you know I'm done. I've rarely left a blowout, I think, at Percival Molson. Rarely. You know, I remember the first game for Johnny Manziel. That, was, that game was horrible, and I still stayed. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. just, 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 just the thought of pushing that off button. It, oh, so close. But I, I, had a reason, I, I had a reason to watch. I had a reason to watch. But, but still, again, Cliff, it's just so frustrating. Again, Trevor Harris, I don't want people to think that I'm hating on Trevor Harris. It sounds like I'm hating on Trevor Harris. But ev- this Trevor Harris is not the same quarterback that ran Ramshot all over the Alouettes in the Eastern semifinal in 2019. This is mm-hmm. not the same quarterback. <laughs> so funny. 2019 is, was such a pivotal year for the Alouettes no in so kidding. many ways. I know. And it seemed to be very pivotal for Trevor Harris. And I wonder if we're all just still kind of trying to live in 2019. Like, yeah, Alouettes fans are trying to believe that this is still the Alouettes team with Kahari Jones as the head coach and Vernon Adams as the quarterback as that team. And Danny Machocha is thinking that he signed the Trevor Harris of 2019 that carved up the Alouettes in that Eastern semifinal. Are we all just living in the past, quite frankly? Is that really what it's come down to? And, like, we just can't see the fact that, no, it's not that team. And Trevor Harris is not that quarterback. No. They, and they, here's, what, they, here's what blew my mind, though, is that if, like, I've been labeled as a hater of his for weeks now, despite doing everything I can to prove that I'm not. But I guess, you know, just any sort of criticism makes you a hater. But I was seeing a lot of people like, oh, maybe Trevor Harris isn't the answer. Oh, Trevor Harris does not look very good. Oh, Trevor Harris, he he looked as bad as what we think Vernon Adams looked like. And, and the funny thing is, you know, when Vernon came in late in the fourth quarter, yes, we understand it. We, everybody would call it garbage time. Vernon looked good. But obviously, you know, it's like who who is out there? Was it still partially the ones? Was it the twos? I don't know. Did that signal? potentially the change because trevor again i mean 18 to 26 198 yards two interceptions one was a pick six you know it's funny vernon Adams didn't throw a pick six this year nope but you know he was struggling this year quote unquote and running game i think did oh i think it did quite well we still don't know the status by the way of jeshwin antwi who got just rocked in the fourth hmm. But Walter Fletcher did a pretty good job in in relief. Yeah, shout out to him. He got his first touchdown as an Alouette. Yep. So we're very happy about that. Yep. Uh, and again, I think that that was Trevor Harris's contribution to the offense was handing the ball off to Fletcher to get you know into the end zone. So props, I guess. Kudos, uh, hero cookie. Yeah, uh, Eugene uh, Gino, I think. Uh, wasn't the Geno at all, but he wasn't being targeted early on. I mean, he he only had three receptions on eight targets for 30 yards. You know, Reggie White, sure, he had three catches, but only 11 yards. Philpott got in there, too. I'm curious to know what happened to the play calling. that ha- that. Where was the play calling from the from the first game in Montreal? Yeah, uh, Herjie Maiella, too. He had a, a drop, unfortunately, that just w- looks so uncharacteristic because— I, I know. Mean, Not a receiving it, touchdown this game. Not one. No. Not a one, and no player got over uh, over uh, got more than thirty yards. Gino topped it out at thirty. Yeah, so I'm sorry, but like you, you can call us Trevor Harris haters if you want, but it's undeniable. Just he did not look like a, a starting quarterback. He looked like someone thrown in there with no preparation and a limited skill set. And 
this is what we're trying to explain to you folks is that we don't hate the guy, but at the same time, we don't think he's the answer. Yes, Vernon Adams is a gunslinger. He makes mistakes. He is very much a risk-reward player. But that's why you have him in there, because when the reward's there, it works. Trevor Harris is who he is. And I'm sorry to say, but he is very much a middle-of-the-pack kind of guy. Right. Like he is not an elite quarterback by any stretch. He's not Ricky Ray. He's not Bo Levi Mitchell. He's not Michael Riley. He's not any of those guys, I'm sorry to say. And this this thought, this prevailing wisdom that he is the guy, that he is the savior, and that, you know, the Alouette should trade Vernon Adams because, you know, that that's who you're going to, you know, hitch up your horse to. No, I'm sorry. There, there was nothing in that game against Saskatchewan that suggested that he should be a starting quarterback or is capable of leading this team to the glory that it needs to be led to. It's funny to say, it does this team hitch its ride to a 30? It's funny to say this, eh? You know, at our current ages and, you know, but 36 in football as a quarterback, you know, Tom Brady notwithstanding, Damon Allen notwithstanding, AC notwithstanding. you, You do sometimes slow down. But the question is, how will a change? Who's going to potentially get the start for this first game with Machocha? And how does the playbook change? Because these playbooks, as far as we know, were all done by Kahari. You know, it's it, it, yes, it's tough bringing in a quarterback you know, and starting. You know, did it with you know uh, Johnny Football was brought in and pushed way too quickly to come in. And I'm sorry, pushed. That's the word that I'm using because that's how I feel. Yeah, he was greener than the grass that his ass was knocked down on. You, you, you can't. Yes, sometimes you need you need to, some a change. I'm hoping, I am hoping that all of our quarterbacks get a fair chance to start, at least the ones on the, on the active roster. I mean, it, I I think a lot of people, a lot of the talking heads, they've surmised that Trevor Harris is Danny Machocha's guy. That's who he envisions as the quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes. But this pat, like the, the this performance against Saskatchewan, there's nothing there that suggests that. No. Okay, just based on what he turned in as performance. There is nothing there that says, oh, yeah, that's my guy. That's the one. I feel very confident in what he did for him to start the next game. Drive is stalled again. It, it, that's that. That's the problem. And that's been the consistency, unfortunately, since since Trevor has started. You know, and uh, the criticisms that were hurled at Vernon for the first couple of games, now we have no choice but to hurl them at Trevor. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. So now are we going to be clamoring? for Vernon Adams to get his starting position back. Should he be given his starting position back? And if he does, and God forbid if he starts to falter, then what? Then is is there going to be a panic to go back to Trevor Harris? You know, and hope and pray that this was just a, a you know, an anomaly when in reality his, his resume as a Montreal Alouette shows like this is what you can expect of Trevor Harris. Yeah. He can pad his stats, he can make some moves, but ultimately he's not the finisher. And it was to the point where Pierre Vercheval during the RDS broadcast was talking about using both quarterbacks the same way that uh, Zach Caleros and Tris, Chris Strebler were used in 2019 when they won the Gray Cup. Yes. It, make, like a change, Harris, make a change when you're in the red zone. Make a change. Because, but, because yes, you think, oh, yes, they're going to run Vernon, run Vernon, run Vernon. We know what Vernon can do. Something has to be done to improve this offense, point blank, because the offense has been inept. Yes, we scored as many points as we did two weeks ago. But again, one was it what one was a defensive touchdown, one was a on kickoff, five field goals. Yeah. So 
And, and again, you, you can't expect your defense and your special teams to put up the lion's share of the points and win every single game. It is just it, – no. It, 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 you can't the, do that. The script was completely flipped, and that's exactly what Saskatchewan did. They mm-hmm. pulled in us. They did in us. They learned how to do it. <laughs> we, <laughs> we gave them the blueprint. <laughs> like they were embarrassed. I, I, you could tell. Like, and they, they had their litany of excuses. And fine, they, they may, may, may well have been very valid. At the end of the day, they made great adjustments in the second half. The Montreal Alouettes did nothing. Third quarter, third quarter killed them. Third quarter killed them. When you only have, again, had the ball for four minutes in a quarter. Mm-hmm. And you do nothing. But you know what? The, the Riders got the running game going. That's true. They did. Wow. <laughs> did they ever? Because Fajardo still was not looking yeah. all that great. He, and he took a couple shots at his knee, which had been, again, he was a target. Like the, His knee was a target. People knew he had that knee brace on, go after the knee. So he switched things up. They, the entire offense switched up. They hit the ground running, and yeah. they just kept on going. And Montreal had no answer. They nope. could not adjust. Jamal Morrow, dude, 103 yards, 6.4 average. Frankie Hickson, 57 yards, 8.1 average. Dude. I mean, you, where were these guys last year for Saskatchewan? Who cares? They're here now. Yeah. And they, they're using these guys to their advantage. And fine, we don't have William Stanbeck right now. And we won't get him back probably to the end of the year if we're lucky. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. You've got Jeshwin Antwi. You've got Walter Fletcher. These guys are very solid runners, too. you got to find a way to incorporate these guys just a little bit better because, quite frankly, they couldn't get anything going. No. And, again, if your quarterback can't make those throws, he's not connecting with his receivers, you go to the ground game. You make the adjustments. He's, like This this offensive Trevor's, line. Trevor's consistent. I will give him that. But if you consistently, he's been consistently consistent at stalling in the red zone. And that's what he's done. He, he, when he was with, with Ottawa, he would do that. Like we had Red Blacks fans telling us, this is classic Trevor Harris. You should know this. Like this is the Trevor Harris that you're going to get is he'll get you to the red zone. But ultimately, you're kicking field goals, not scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Like I said, he, he can pad his stats. He can, he can make things look good. And so he ends up with some pretty decent numbers. But – at the end of the day, you're settling for field goals instead of touchdowns, or you're not even scoring any. Like if you're not getting points on the board, stats don't mean a, a damn thing. No, quite frankly, no, they don't. Um, again, and penalties too. They got to be corrected. We'll see what happens going forward. Uh, you can't have a one-off, one-on type of thing because it's it's getting ridiculous. I mean, yes, one positive for the penalties is one extended a drive where the uh, where it was. I think was he picked. Was Harris picked, or was it? It was uh, over on four uh, on three downs. I'm trying to remember what it was, but it it extended an Alouette's drive. But still, it's got to stop. And and we know that's one of the things last year that Kahari was getting really blasted for. We'll see if there's yeah. a, we'll see if there's a change. There there has to be. I mean, if if that truly was what signed Kahari's uh, you know dismissal note was the the lack of discipline then you better make sure your guys are disciplined now going forward because now it's going to be on you. You can't blame Kahari for what happens going forward because he's no. not around anymore. You it, can't, you know. Exactly, exactly. So moving on though, Cliff, there was some interesting stuff that happened post-game, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Sunday morning, as we're you know, getting ready to go about our day and everything like that, the Alouettes decide they want to drop a, 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 little, uh, a little teaser, if you will, <laughs> involving a trade with... The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what now? Because going into the bye week, and mm-hmm. as, again, I was already of the impression, okay, 
Kahari's time, unfortunately, is over. It's really just going to be a matter of when. Watch it be Tuesday that they end up firing him. That was my thought. And then when they announced a trade, like, oh, dear. What now? Like, and of course, everybody's thoughts is Vernon. It's getting true. Rid of Vernon. And, and, you, like, and the, and the un, uh, no, if you didn't catch it, it possible troll on, on the <laughs> on the gift that was used by the Alouettes. Uh, yeah, they had a the the Alouettes from their account, you know, tagged the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with a, a I think it was a GIF of Daffy Duck knocking on a door. Yeah, as though to try to get their attention, you know, to make the, make this trade. I guess that was the idea they're trying to crumb across. But if you look at that GIF, the door that Daffy Duck is knocking on has the number three on it. Uh huh. <laughs> Who wears number three for the Alouettes? <laughs> so of course people. You know, are always going to be common rational in, in instances like this. And you're like, oh my God, they're training Vernon Adams to the Rough Riders. Like, uh, slow your roll, people. You 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 know that Vernon Adams makes like CFL starter money, which is like 500k plus yeah. per year. Yeah. You got Cody Fajardo, who I believe makes about the same, give or take. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Do you really think? <laughs> what in what scenario can you afford to pay both quarterbacks a half mil each? Yeah, I know. You, you, you realize that the, the salary cap that would be one fifth of your salary cap. Yeah, for an entire football team. Yeah, yeah. like I, I get it, folks. I, I understand y'all think that they're you know, getting Danny a TSN for a loan. Oh, I, I know you think that Danny Mac wants to get rid of Vernon. Maybe he does. I don't know. I I, I really don't believe so. I really hope not. But. Do you really, really, really think this? Like, just logically, think logically. That's all I'm asking. Is think logically. But again, I, I can see where some people would think there's a hidden message with that number three there. But no, when it, when it was all said and done, it wasn't number three that ended up being traded to the Rough Riders. It was number two, as in Mario Alford, yeah, the returner who is back, is healthy, was practicing. However effectively lost his job to Chandler Worthy. Yeah. That's really what it came down to, folks. I so mean, we go Chandler Worthy, not one, not two. Well, I guess technically two, because the third uh, house call that he made uh, just was uh, called back to a penalty. Oh. But, I mean, the, the you, you saw what was going on with Chandler Worthy. Yeah. You see what, exactly what the, the dynamic. When it comes to special teams now for the Alouettes, this is someone that you have no choice but to prepare for. And if you can try to find some way to kick away from this guy, you best do it because if he's proven it, at least against Saskatchewan, if nothing else. If he gets the ball in his hands, he's heading to the end zone. Yep. You better hope you catch him. So we go from Super Mario to we're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're truly not worthy of this guy. Um. The Alouettes in return receive a conditional sixth round pick. Uh, if Alfred plays nine games with the Rift Riders this year, that selection will become a fifth round pick. By the way, what I think is funny, by the way, and correct me if I'm wrong, but both of our, our current returners, weren't they both released by the Toronto Argonauts? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, uh, both Alfred and uh, yeah. Worthy are former Argos. Yeah, yeah. Um. Interesting how that works, and <laughs> I know, and and then we also find out which broke. Then all of a sudden, all of a, out of the, out of a huge surprise, that Trey Watson was released. And yes, the story was that there was an altercation or a dust up between. This is how it was put originally. Between it actually said the actual story, I think said 
two. Uh, I, I I thought it said it, it was a coach and a player. Correct. Originally, and then based on the news that we got from the uh, story today from Herb Zerkowski, we did find out what it was. It was a sideline incident that involved uh, Mark Antoine Decoy and special teams coordinator Byron Archambault. Mm-hmm. It makes you Andy. wonder, and, and you you are. You were able to see Trey's story because he spoke. He spoke a three down, and he told his story. And it really makes you really makes you wonder. I think my first question is: Are the Owls going to regret this? Well, uh, I guess time will tell on that one. Was it that bad? Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but was it that bad? Well, whether or not it was that bad or not is irrelevant because when you take a look at who's Trey Watson versus who's Mark Antoine Decoy and Byron Archambault. I mean, these are former Caribbeans who are now Alouettes, and you've got an American who, I'm sorry to say, are considered a dime a dozen in the Canadian Football League. Who do you think wins that battle? Mm. And it's unfortunate because Trey Watson, very good football player, was the starting middle linebacker for the Alouettes this year. Uh, he's proved himself to be a very capable player. Uh, so to, to, to let go of someone like that, like you, you can't be having dust-ups if you want to call it that or incidents with your 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 defensive players like that and yeah it was really interesting especially too since uh trey's uh, father is also on twitter and uh, yeah. he had chimed in on his two cents i think kind of speaking on his son's behalf because trey watson to his credit did not want to name any names he didn't want to say he just said this was the situation and i'm taking the high road and he was even very gracious in saying you know Letting the, the Alouettes fans know that he appreciates the support that he got, and he really did enjoy his time in Montreal, but you know, it was time to move on. Uh, Trey's father, on the other hand, he was very vocal about the fact that he felt that uh, a lot of Alouettes uh, players that were uh, coached by the general manager back in the day were getting preferential treatment, which would essentially be Decoy and Archambault. And by the way, former- to be clear, again, Cliff isn't saying this. This is what was said. Right, I'm. I'm just. I'm paraphrasing. I know. What, I'm uh, just making sure that people understand that, so it, people don't get in a huff. That Cliff, no. Cliff has said this. Cliff didn't say this. No, I, I'm. I'm just. As I said, I'm. I'm paraphrasing what Trey Watson's father yeah. stated. And should he be saying this? I, I guess is that's the, a decision that he chose to make. And as I said, Trey Watson, to his credit, is taking the high road. He's not. He wasn't naming names. He just said this is what had happened, and this is why I'm no longer an Alouette. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, like I said, I can, I can see some of the parallels that uh, Trey Watson's father is talking about. Uh, whether I agree with it or not, again, I'm not on the field. I'm not on the sidelines. So it's, that's really is be, that is something that has to be handled internally and really, truly does is between Watson and whoever he was involved with, with these altercations. At the end of the day, though, uh, well, if it truly was uh, Decoy and Archambault, again, former Caribbean coached by Danny Machocha, they're going to stay and the American is going to go. And that's really what it came down to, unfortunately. Uh, Obviously, Watson landed on his feet. He's now a member of the Elks, so expect to see him back in Montreal next week to take on his former team. So, (laughs) that again, not a trade. Like It literally was uh, Chris Jones deciding, hey, he's a pretty good guy. I I, I should sign him. So, that's that's exactly what happened. No surprise. I mean, Trey Watson, as I said, is a, a great player that would have had no trouble. He, I knew he was going to land on his feet no matter what. Not surprised at all he goes to Edmonton. 
uh, I mean, that's that's the kind of player that Chris Jones likes is one of those hard nosed defensive types that will, you know, get in there. And he's clearly not afraid to mix things up. I mean, if he's willing to get into altercations and whatnot. But, yeah. uh, you know, so, again, just one of those interesting wrinkles and really unfortunate because, as as I stated earlier, you know, Trey is a hell of a football player. Wish him all the best. Uh, he definitely, I think, could have been a key contributor to this team. And he was doing very well the four games that he played this season, starting no less. Uh, but this is what happens with football. Sometimes things don't work and you just got to move on. Yeah. Uh, also, we learned that uh, uh, Darius Williams uh, was one of the few people I think got fined this week by the CFL for a quote-unquote high hit on uh, the Riders running back Jamal Morrow. How do we know that Morrow didn't just jump up into Darius's you know grill or something like that? Like... <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I mean sometimes, dude. After after seeing after seeing how I felt that the that the refs and the command center kind of botched that touchdown, not touchdown, touchdown in the Toronto game <laughs> to Speedy B. Oh boy, yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's. I, I think it's time to. I think the command center needs a review of their own. Quite frankly, yeah. But find them. I think it's that a fine time. I think it's fine time that the fans find them. One hundred percent. So uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, Darius. Uh, for, you know, friend of the show. He's uh, you know, I, I'm sure he he didn't mean to hit that guy, and he didn't mean to get caught. So I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's football, you know. So. Exactly. Um, and lastly, was the finding out today. You know, even though we did lose somebody, you know, Trey Watson. The Alouettes picked up somebody today. It hasn't been announced officially by the Alouettes or by the league, but it was broken by uh, Dave Naylor. Uh, the Alouettes may have picked up somebody to replace him. Mm-hmm. That would be Micah Ah, uh, formerly of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, he's uh, obviously good. I, I believe that's going to be the replacement now for Trey Watson. He is essentially a middle linebacker. Uh, very active on social media. Uh, he's definitely a player that a lot of people – know what they know what he can bring to the table uh actually forgot he he was with the bc lions as well and played outstanding football for them if i recall uh now has a chance to reinvent himself and i think would fit very nicely in a noel thorpe defense Mm -hmm. god it's gonna be it's kind of weird to say that again after i mean again we we see what noel thorpe can do defensively as a as a coach and now we're gonna get to see it again so i think micah would be one of those players that i think will fit very well I can't believe I'm saying this in a Noel Thorpe defense. So <laughs> now I, I thought initially that with the release of Watson, like this was going to mean that uh, now you're finding a way to keep uh, when Chris Ackie returns, keep get him on the field as well as with uh, Brian Herlemana, who has been outstanding. Yes, he has. Yes. Like, like I, I'm sure Cody Fajardo has post-traumatic stress disorder thinking like, you know, Okay, okay, this son of a bitch is hiding it like a, you know, in the closet. He's, he came he's close to getting him. Yeah, yeah, he came close to getting him a few more times, too. He did actually at one point. He he, he managed to tackle Fajardo again. Like like I said, like Brian Harlan Marla is living rent free in Cody <laughs> Fajardo's head. I'm sure of it. Like he's, I'm sure Fajardo's like, thank God we are not playing the Alouettes again this year because that guy, get this guy away from me. <laughs> yeah. So. All this to say, like, okay, you got Chris Ackie, you've got Brian Harlemana, who uh, are both outstanding football players, as we've seen. We've got to get those guys on the field as much as possible. And then you got Tyrell Richards 
also a linebacker. You got dinged, also up, a national yeah, dinged up a little bit in Saskatchewan, but I mean, or, or, yeah. so we'll, we'll see what's going on there. But my point is you've got three national players that belong in the conversation, have proven themselves worthy of being in the conversation. Problem is, with the ratio, yeah, can't always get everybody on because if one of those guys goes down to injury, the other one has to step in. So you can't really have them out on the field. So, I mean, this, this is where you have to have uh, an American on the team. Micah Ah fits that very much, and we are glad to have him on because uh, I think if given the right opportunity, he can make a lot of noise. He can make this offense, or sorry, make this defense, you know, really something special again. Yeah, exactly. Um, as it will it's be- a Noel Thorpe defense. I can't, I, again, I completely <laughs> think this again. It's Noel Thorpe defense. I know. I'm waiting I, for you to say it next week. Uh, <laughs> again, this is like, to me, this is what's really incredible more than anything else. I mean, listen, I mean, I, I know that he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but the guy produces, the guy gets results. I mean, so in that sense, I'm happy. I, I figured it would also too just be a matter of time before he ended up on the team in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, again, we, we remember back in the day, like back in 2002, he won with the Alouettes, a great cup as special teams coordinator. So before Jeff Reinebold was hired, I thought, do we bring back a Noel Thorpe? Because if, just be, if only for the connection of you know a former Caribbean coach under Danny Machocha, is this how we bring Noel Thorpe back into the mix? No, nope. turns out we're going to hire him as defensive coordinator again. Like, okay, well, listen, he did produce some pretty outstanding football. He, the defense, I remember in 2014, was next level. Yep. So if, if Noel Thorpe can get this te- this defense, which I already think is a very, very, very good defense, if he can keep that going, if anything, improve upon it, then then that's just great. Like This is something that Elwitz fans should be very, very excited about. He's going to work his players hard. There's no question about that. He does not suffer fools. But more often than not, he produces results. And that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned, obviously, for anything that may break on social media as we're going to try to keep everybody up to date on anything that might change uh, leading up to, uh, I guess, the first practice, which I, well, I would imagine would be sometime this weekend. It would have to be, actually, considering uh, when, when the game is on a Thursday. So I would probably expect the first practice to be on on Sunday. But stay mm-hmm. tuned as, uh, you know, uh, we go forward again. It's just going forward to our next opponent and uh, just try to right the ship and We'll be here for every 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 step, every beat, every touchdown, whether they are in from the red zone or whether they are not. Um. <laughs> like it or not, folks, it's once again a new era for Montreal Alouettes football. God, it's so, too, too soon, man. It's ridiculous. <sighs> it, it is what it is. So yeah. let's just yeah. let's just buckle up and enjoy the ride as exactly. best we can. Somebody just just please somebody just just DM me, please. Yeah, come at me. I I, I would love it. You can help me uh, ease ease the pain. You know. Anyways. Uh, we appreciate everybody joining us, listening to us to talk about the Alouettes. Again, we will be back next week. Uh, a yeah, we few got, ideas. We got football tickets to give away. Yeah, and we got football tickets to give away. So make sure that once that is live, that you, uh, uh, dude. One thing we're hoping, by the way, plus you know, not only for football, potentially Putin in a helmet. Ooh. That's all I can say. Putin in a helmet. Uh. And unfortunately, our, our campaign to try and get uh, to be the official taste testers of said Putin ah. kind of fell on deaf ears. Mario! Uh, or, at least, or, or at least Mario is, you know, cute enough to try and uh, reply with a, you know, a snarky comment, it's which a, I appreciate. We I, appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate I, that. I, I appreciate the gamesmanship. So, OK, you know, but hey, listen, 
Offer still stands. Tim and I are more than willing to be the taste testers for this Putsin in a helmet. Especially if it serves how much Putsin, as I've been told, it does. Well, there you go. So, oh, I mean, like that. Can't wait. Can't wait. We appreciate it. So, we- folks, if, if you don't have your tickets for the game next Thursday, folks, against the Elks, I mean, get on it, folks. Otherwise, enter the contest, you know. Talk to us on social media. Get you know, throw your hat in the in in the ring, if you will. Who knows? You could be going to see the Alouettes and the Elks, a new era of football. Possibly puts it in a helmet. <laughs> Live. And and the twentieth anniversary of the two thousand and two Grey Cup champions. There you go. I mean, what what more reasons do you need, folks? Foot, so enter football. the con- enter the contest. Enter the contest. Win those flight crew seats. Go see the game next Thursday. Who knows? Who knows? Could be one to remember. Hopefully for all the right reasons. Football! Thanks, thanks everybody, for joining us on, on the flight deck. For Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run Final Approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.